0: Hi there, and a very warm welcome to Season 3, Episode 37 of People Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. P-Soupers, thanks for tuning in. This week, it's a special episode with three mini-interviews. Way back in November 2020, it was the Association for Contextual Behavioural Science UK and ROI Conference, a two-day extravaganza of research, practice, insights, and connection. Inspired by my pal Joe Oliver, I sponsored four students of organizational psychology to attend. In this episode, you'll hear from three of them on their impressions of the conference, their standout moments, and their own research interests. It was truly insightful to hear the variety and depth of their reflections. For those of you who haven't come across the People Soup podcast before, we aim to nourish your mind to flourish at work using evidence-based behavioral science. And we'd love it if you'd support us by subscribing, reviewing and sharing. For now, get a brew on and have a listen to Sangeeta Bala, Alexandra Leshner, and one student who preferred not to be named as they give their perspectives on the conference. Hey Sangeeta, great to see you. Welcome (laughs) to People Soup.
1: Hi, Ross. It's great to be here. Such a privilege to be here.
0: Glad to have you. Now, I thought we'd start by just getting to know you a bit better. So maybe a way into that is telling us where you are at in relation to your studies and anything about work, please.
1: Okay, so unfortunately, COVID delayed my research project a bit, but I'm currently just finishing up my master's this year. So I'll be done by December, which is amazing. And that's in an organizational psychology at City, like yourself once upon a time.
0: Indeed.
1: And I'm an intern at a leadership and talent management consultancy And I'm an application advisor at City, so I'm wearing a lot of hats at the moment, but yeah.
0: It's great to hear you've been willing to pursue your research, even in times of COVID. That sounds pretty challenging.
1: My research originally was something in the workplace. And I think around March is the time where we start conceptualising what we will do. And I decided to, I kind of had to change my idea completely. So now I'm doing it on something specifically to do with lockdown and Mm -hmm. the experiences of lockdown so a more qualitative approach but Mm -hmm. it's been very interesting and it's obviously had its implications in a way it's very new and novel it's
0: great to hear you responding to the current context of of lockdown and experience of lockdown i look forward to to hearing more about your research maybe we'll get you back on to chat about it
1: (laughs) i would be happy to do that that'd be lovely
0: great great and i'm loving to hear that you're giving back to city as well by being an application advisor
1: yeah so i just applied on the whim and honestly i love it so i love the careers team at city and i have used them so much so any interview i have any application i have i would be booking a 20-minute appointment and i thought i could do this And it's been amazing. It's been so enriching helping students and graduates.
0: Wonderful. Now, I wanted to move on to the ACBS conference. I wondered if you could tell me why you were interested in the opportunity. You know, I advertised this opportunity. What attracted you to that?
1: So I'm not the most conventional person in the sense of, you probably saw from my application, that I did not like ACT. And... I can't remember the first time I came across ACT, but I did not like it. I hated it. It was not my approach. I It just didn't resonate with me. I think for me, it was always the acceptance part that I just got stuck on. And I thought, no, you can't do that. How can you accept uncomfortable thoughts? They're difficult. You don't want to accept them. You want to change them. I was mm. very much, no, that is not me at all. And then during my master's, I think that's when I got a bit more critical and I learned how to deal with theories that didn't necessarily resonate with me and I remember I saw an act lecture with yourself and I remember thinking hmm am I gonna listen (laughs) which is such a (laughs) horrible thing to say but I remember thinking oh my gosh I hate act and then I listened and I thought oh this makes a bit of sense but I still had my Concerns about it. I think the act matrix for me was a bit of a breakthrough. We had the opportunity to use it in the lecture, so I got to use it myself as well as my fellow peers, and I got to try using it with my coachee, which was amazing because it was such a collaborative process. And to see how dealing with these values and taking the coachee through that process, it was really enriching to see what that is like and for me, it started making sense. I started getting the gist of ACT. So when the conference came about, I thought, you know, I definitely have changed my opinion about ACT and I wonder if this conference would change it even more. And it definitely did.
0: Mm. Well, your application was quite compelling and it wasn't just because you you stroked my fragile ego by saying you'd been to my lecture. It was more about how you said, oh, I didn't like it at first. I really admired your your courage in, in positioning it like that. And it was quite intriguing, so yeah, well done. And I'm, I'm glad you persisted, because I love the way you describe using the matrix with your coaching client and saying, it was collaborative, and that's very much how I see it, this using the tool like the matrix. Yeah. So let's talk about the conference. So you had a, a two-day pass. How, overall, how did you find it? What were your sort of lasting impressions of it?
1: I thought it was so amazing, not only because I guess most conferences always have current research, but I thought the conference was amazing in the sense that they had adapted it to what's going on right now. And I thought it was so beautifully done because I thought it was actually a lot more emotional than I expected and a lot more emotional than other conferences I've been to. And I thought it was a right time for us to kind of explore these emotions in skills classes and within the conference lecture types as well it was really amazing in that sense and both days were just jam-packed and so the way the conference was set out there was three streams so you could kind of pick and choose and you can always watch the recording later so i definitely did that i remember there was times where i'd look at two and think oh i really love both these topics what do i do i guess the, the student part of me loved it in a the sense there was a lot of theory and the practical part was there as well where I loved being the practitioner. I got to attend a supervising the ACT supervisors class which I thought was amazing and I was initially quite nervous because I thought I'm not an experienced ACT professional and I felt like the young student in the class and I thought I was surrounded by corporate professionals. But it was amazing to see that even the ACT professionals who have years of experience under their belt still have problems and they want to, you know, be supervised and talk about their problems. And it was amazing to kind of hear some of the issues that they had when using ACT, but how they overcame them as well.
0: Mm, Thank you. I love the way you describe it as being quite an emotionally open conference, because I think I'm, I'm kind of laughing there as well, because I think In my experience, these type of ACBS conferences are unique in that people talk about their emotions, they share them. People will cry, people will wail, people will be angry, upset. And we're really role-modelling for each other that it's okay to be in touch with these emotions. It's okay to sit with them and support each other. So I love that you experience that. That's fabulous. Is there any other standout moment for you?
1: For me, it would... I think the one that kind of tugged on my heartstrings was Ray Owen. And he discussed, I think he did over the course of both days, he spoke a lot about how to use ACT when it comes to multi-morbidities and long-term health issues. And, you know, being in that face of, I guess I have this condition and this may be something that's chronic that I have to live with, but may reduce my quality of life or something that, may one day be fatal and being in those I guess like seminar classes being able to liaise with him was just amazing because it was so eye-opening to do some exercises where we could imagine what that feels like and what uncomfortable thoughts we might have and what our immediate thought pattern was and what were the triggers were they external were they internal what changes in our life so really being able to see that pattern because especially right now i think there's a lot of focus even in organizations but also just generally within the world on ensuring that everyone's well-being is okay and this is one of the ways to do that when you visualize yourself in these tough situations that other people are in, because I think that's definitely something that I've come out of it. And I've learned and being able to visualize myself in a context as that I now empathize more and I can feel myself being in someone else's shoes in a difficult Mm. situation. So it's been very eye-opening in that sense.
0: It's absolutely thrilling to hear you describe this and the clarity of the way you describe it. I mean, I'm an enormous fan of Ray. He's actually been on the podcast. And I use some of his material to support people in the workplace to have difficult conversations. So it shows it's transferable as well. But looking at you and hearing you talk about, it, I can really feel the the emotion there and that ability you've got to to get different perspectives, which will only I think will only support you as your career develops.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something that's given me transferable skills, but it's also something that's resonated with me personally because I look back to when I didn't like ACT and I tried to explore it a bit more, why didn't I like ACT? And Mm. for me it was definitely just accepting uncomfortable emotions. For me it felt too positive. I'm not a fan of positive psychology sometimes and I'm becoming a fan of it slowly because I'm realising its benefits. But I'm more of a critical person who's realistic, I like to see the negatives to a situation because I feel it makes me realise is this the path I should go down? I'm definitely becoming someone who is getting more comfortable dealing with uncomfortable thoughts because it's difficult to accept it for way it is and not try to change it, not try to put your defense mechanisms up and mm. say, nope, I'm not dealing with that. This is, this is my coping mechanism, I'm okay with it. But sometimes you do need to look at your behavior and think this is what the coping mechanism that makes you happy for a minute is actually doing in the long term so yeah it's quite
0: vivid the way you describe it for me thank you i'm so pleased you got some interesting stuff out of this and so because it was a real towards move for me to to offer this sponsorship so i'm so delighted to hear this thank you so much for joining me on on the podcast
1: no worries thank you so much for giving this opportunity as well especially at a time like this it's been amazing i thought it would be something that would only be be helping me educationally but Having come out of it now, I've realized it's helped me grow as a person. It's helped me in various streams of my life, which is so enriching. And it's so such a beautiful opportunity, basically.
0: Boom. Drop the mic. Thank you so much, Sangeeta. Thank Thanks for joining me. So, Alexandra, a very warm welcome to People Soup. It's great to have you here.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: I'd like to start off just getting to know a bit about you. Tell us where you are in relation to your studies and work, please.
2: Yes. So I'm currently in Vienna, but I have very recently completed my uh, Master in Organizational Psychology from City University. And yeah, just due to COVID, I had to come back to Vienna where I was before.
0: So Alexandra is in Vienna. I'm here in Malaga. So we truly are European in this, in this little episode.
2: That's very true. <laughs>
0: And I have to tell the supers, we'd almost finished this interview when I realized I hadn't pressed record, so I'm absolutely mortified. But Alexandra is being very kind to me and agreeing to go through it again, so I'm really grateful.
2: No problem at all.
0: So tell me, why were you interested in this opportunity to come to the ACBS conference?
2: Yeah, so there were two reasons really. Um the first reason is that yeah, having had to come back from the UK due to COVID, I really haven't had this opportunity to interact with this community of psychologists. And I'm not sure if it's something about psychologists in the UK. I haven't really interacted with any here in Austria. But I just felt like there is always a really warm and welcoming atmosphere Uh, whenever you speak to to any groups of psychologists. It was a very similar experience at at City University as well. That's the reason I wanted to get back in touch with this community. Mm -hmm. And the other reason actually is that I I knew ACT from from that guest lecture that you, Ross, gave um, in one of our courses in March. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was really intrigued and wanted to, to learn more about it.
0: Well, that's great to hear. I'm glad me and Paul and others could sort of pique your interest in ACT and hopefully leave you wanting more. That's great to hear. Definitely. And, it, and it's also great to hear from your fellow students that together you created this sense of community on the course. That's wonderful to hear and a tribute to you and all your fellow students on that, that year.
2: Yeah, true. <laughs> and to all the lecturers, of course, and guest lecturers.
0: Yes, big shout out <laughs> to them all. So... <laughs> So thinking about the conference, you had a day ticket. So which day did you choose?
2: Uh, I chose Tuesday.
0: Ah, okay. And, and, and overall, how would you describe that day? How did you find it?
2: I thought overall it was a very, really amazing experience. Um, I met lots of really lovely people. And I love that it was organized in a way that you would very regularly also go into breakout sessions. So it's not what I usually expect from a conference, to be honest. I I was just expecting talks and I was very pleasantly surprised that we also got to interact a lot and to participate, discuss, reflect. So yeah, very, very interactive conference.
0: Great, great. And do you have a highlight or a standout moment from the conference?
2: Yeah, so I definitely have one highlight. So in the afternoon, I attended a workshop, which was called the Introduction to the ACT Matrix by Jim Lemon. And what I really loved uh, was that he, well, first of all, he introduced the Act Matrix to us and then he made us split into breakout sessions. And I just really loved the atmosphere in that breakout session. We were a group of three strangers initially and then we were coaching each other based on the Act Matrix. Um, and I just felt that everyone really opened up. One of the guys told the stories of how they felt as a father and the guilt that they felt towards their children while, while he was sitting in home office and yeah couldn't take care of them. So, yeah, really some, some very personal stories that you wouldn't normally tell strangers on the street. So I really, really love the atmosphere there.
0: Mm, I think it's something about the contextual behavioral science community, the people who research this, who practice it, who teach it. They really embody the principles of things like ACT and and, and the other sciences and they really role model them for each other and us so it's great to hear you found that level of openness and honesty and depth as you say with with three strangers in a room isn't that incredible
2: yeah very very unique I feel
0: yeah and I'm so pleased you chose Jim Lemon's session in the matrix because I think he's doing amazing things with the matrix and i think the way he explains it in a way that's so practical and accessible for us all that he just brings that warmth and humanity to it and also examples of how it's been applied
2: yeah that's very true
0: now, you mentioned something about the beginning where he was there with some, I think he had some livestock with him. Is that right?
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I was just saying before that he opened the class or the, the workshop in a great way, which was that he told or he told us that he's currently sitting in a room with some rabbits. So he's sitting. he was sitting in his office, but for some reason, I think one of his daughters left to go to university and she left her rabbits with him. Um, so he opened this session uh, by showing us a book that one of the rabbits had half eaten and it was just, we all had a, very, a big laugh with him and it was just really funny and a, a great way to create this kind of open and warm atmosphere from the beginning.
0: Yeah, he's a marvellous chap it's and it's a very human event all in all I would say.
2: Yeah, that's very true.
0: Now, a a sneaky other reason why I wanted to get you on and chat with you was to hear a bit about your research, because I'm intrigued. I think I've read the title, but tell us about the research you did for your master's, please.
2: Yes, so what I did for my master's thesis was I researched how you could create psychological safety in virtual teams. And the title of my study was, Can Technology Replace the Coffee Talk? So I was basically trying to understand if a, a team works together only virtually, can they create this atmosphere where everyone feels safe to speak up and bring up problems and issues with other teammates? And if so, what can they do to create this atmosphere?
0: Perfect. It's even more perfect and pertinent and timely in lockdown because many teams that weren't virtual are now virtual and they may well continue.
2: Yeah, that's very true. It's probably a topic that won't, won't disappear anytime soon.
0: No, so you're at the cutting edge of this, Alexandra. This is exciting. So so what type of research was it? And can you tell us any of your key findings, please?
2: Yes, so it was uh, qualitative research. So what, what I did was I interviewed 16 team members and leaders. And I basically asked them, what are they currently doing to create this atmosphere of, for example, asking each other for help? Or do they feel that they can ask each other for help? Do they have any, any advice uh, for new teams that are now created to make each other ask for help. And, and what I found actually was that there is two key concepts that really help create psychological safety. So the first is shared identity. And that's basically creating this feeling of we're in this together. So you really want to get to know the, the human side of your team members. You want to understand their strengths, weaknesses, maybe career aspirations, maybe if they have worked in, in another virtual team before, and yeah, just get to know them as a human being. And so the second concept is called shared context. And what you want to do there is you want to understand in what kind of surrounding or current situation people are working. So for example, if a person has caring responsibilities during working hours, and that's why they are always five minutes late to a certain four o'clock meeting. And then it can really help colleagues understand that these caring obligations are why this person is always late. And it can really help prevent them from getting mad, for example. So you just want to very explicitly speak about any obligations or personal boundaries that you may have. And that can really help the team understand each other's situation better.
0: Mm, Fascinating. That bit about understanding each other's context is really key and it's very very contextual behavioral science as well, yeah, and what was the, cool. the first one was about a shared identity identity, yeah. yeah, and again, that relates to as part of the contextual behavioral science an approach for working with teams called pro social. Mm. And there's a, there's a core design principle there about shared identity and purpose. So it's very much aligned with that.
2: That's interesting. I didn't know that.
0: <laughs> now, if people were interested in your research, is there an executive summary we could perhaps share? Is that being cheeky or is there anything that you could share or would be willing to?
2: No, definitely. So actually, if you if you would contact me on LinkedIn, it's Alexandra Lechner. I, I have posted something and I'm very happy to also share the entire research with everyone who's interested. You
0: can reach out to Alexandra on LinkedIn and I'll put the details of your LinkedIn profile on the show notes for this episode. Perfect. Perfect.
2: Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for taking the time and thank you for applying for sponsorship I'm so pleased you were successful and I'm so pleased you got so much out of it thank you
2: yeah thank you so much for providing this it was really an amazing experience I'm very very thankful
0: I'm going to sign off now from Malaga so all the best there to you in Vienna and yeah let's keep in touch I'm really grateful for your willingness to step into this, your first podcast experience. So I'm very grateful it's with me. I feel honored.
3: (laughs) Thank you for asking me to participate, actually. No, I feel very honored in the first place that um, you gave me the chance actually to take part to this conference in the first place, sponsoring the ticket, because uh, it was an event that I found incredibly um, enriching. There was just so much wisdom coming from every person, uh, the spot during the conference. Uh, and that actually left me with a, a feeling of fulfillment to stayed with me over the following days you know when you have those kind of experiences when you feel like you connect with like-minded people and i suppose you know especially these times we are living that are pretty complicated in terms of connecting with other people because we're all staying at home we try to avoid obviously to meet people and we try to connect through social media or phone calls and but still it's not exactly the same as meeting people face to face and so sometimes i feel like naturally there are days when i tend to feel a little bit low energy or tired and those are the the moments when i suppose i need to kind of the best way to come back to myself is to connect with myself with my values having the chance to do so through an event when i can actually deep dive into knowledge around subjects that I really enjoy learning is definitely a way to lift my spirit up. I'm really, really happy that I had the chance to take part to this conference and also that I had the chance to listen to the conferences again through the recording. It's a great tool to have because sometimes, you know, uh, I wasn't obviously able to take part to every single conference (laughs) because there were three rooms on the day. I actually picked the one that, like the title that, I thought they were more relevant to, you know, I suppose, the mindset that I was at the moment. But then after that, I was able to go back the day afterwards and discover some other conferences that I found incredibly interesting and enriching as well.
0: My goodness, hearing you use words like fulfilling and enriching is really, it's really heartwarming. And I think the people who organised the conference, obviously it's It's a real mammoth feat to organize an online conference like this. And I think they did an amazing job coordinating, organizing, and all the the speakers and the panels were amazing. So so I'm glad you appreciated that too.
3: Absolutely,
0: yeah, absolutely. Was Was there a highlight or a standout moment for you?
3: So, well, it's hard for me to mention one single highlight because, but I can mention, let's say, a, cu- a couple of haha moments that I had while listening to some of the speeches. So the first one, of course, when during the conference ha- held by Steve Noon, which I found incredibly interesting about the, what can the field of intellectual disability gain from CBS and what can CBS gain from the field of intellectual disability. For me, it was uh, very important to reflecting on the fact that intellectual disability needs to be placed in context. And also, when he mentioned uh, addressing the stigma, be mindful of the language that we use, of the words that we use when we refer to a certain group of people. But what really struck me in what he was saying is that the best way to implement behavioural modification uh, is uh, when we start to have to develop a functional understanding and place uh, their needs in context. Uh, And the reason why I'm saying that is because, well, I have like a first-hand experience, uh, having like an older brother actually with mental disabilities, and so, you know, that was really, really enriching for me also under a personal point of view, because, you know, some of the struggles that he was mentioning that care often uh, face, uh, I could really see myself reflected on that or my parents. So, you know, these challenges are real. And that's probably why I was so touched by what he was saying. And sometimes, unfortunately, because he has some challenging behaviors, um, it's true what Steve said, that sometimes the, the, the reaction could be to uh, avoid some of these behavior, but that actually makes things worse because the challenging behavior evokes avoidance, and then avoidance involves the challenging behavior because sometimes people are challenging uh, when they feel that like they're being ignored. So it's like a trap where mm. I'm trying to actually to move one step forward and try to actually understand, I try to gain a better understanding um, of the person as a whole, you know, try to place their needs in context, exactly like, like he said.
0: Sure, it's, it's so great to hear your perspective on that. Like you say, I think it's made more powerful by your, your personal experience and how it okay. and how it resonated.
3: When I was actually listening to him, I was taking plenty of notes and then i I called my sister, and you know I was reflecting on that, and I was telling her, you know because actually I heard these amazing guys, and he was saying this and that, and she was also agreeing with me, so it's just invaluable you know the what that's you know taking part of this conference meant for me, you know, and not just professionally but also personally, so I really want to acknowledge that, and then another speaker that I really really enjoyed was Jim Lemon. He was talking about the DNA, the process, and perspective. He was suggesting to create context to empower young people to clarify what their values are, uh, so they can actually engage in values-consistent actions. Uh, and I thought that was very, very relevant because then when he was analyzing more into that, uh, the six patterns of values activities associated with well-being and, and vitality. You were mentioning connecting with others in the first place, giving to others, and having a positive influence. Being active, embracing the moment, challenging ourselves, and learning, and caring for ourselves. And I just thought that you know sometimes uh, when I feel like I'm having some bad days, I go back to this list, and I'm like, okay, am I doing? Uh, to what extent I'm doing? Uh, you know the the things mentioned in this list, and if I found myself in a place when I'm actually not connecting enough with others, um, or I'm not being active enough, or I'm not caring for myself, that you know, then it's like a highlight. Oh, that's why you know I'm not actually feeling good uh, about myself. So I just think it's really useful sometimes to have some practical guidance on the approaches that we can actually have towards uh, some specific situation. Uh, so then we can actually really take action. I thought it was very valuable this conference because it was not just really theoretical, there were some theories, alright, mm. but it was combined with practical examples, which is definitely something that is really, really useful for day to day life situations, right?
0: So. Oh, what, I've, what I've absolutely inspired hearing you talk about how you've used the content of Jim's workshop when you're already using it in your life. That's fabulous. Can you just tell us where you are in relation to your own studies?
3: I actually started my journey studying economics applied to foreign languages as soon as I finished high school. And that was when I thought my future would have been working in organization and stuff. But then at some stage, uh, in the middle of my career, after, let's say, around six years that I've been working in an organization, I was feeling like I was missing something, like I wanted a little bit something more from my life. And that's when I approached uh, psychotherapy and then psychology. So I started doing some course, part-time while working. And then uh, eventually I, I found this amazing master that I'm currently doing, we work in organizational uh, psychology and behavior and well, actually I can, I can develop a key knowledge of the psychological aspects applied to relationships within the organization, which is just amazing because I think will combine my personal experience with my own interests. Um, and I find that specifically important when you actually have a psychological understanding of how the mind works or like how people behave, how people react to situations, you can actually enhance your relationship with your peers in the workplace, with your employer. You can benefit as a human being overall, which is really, really great because, and this links a little bit to one of the things that I was actually, that Jim um, was actually mentioning about the DNA Z that, you know, each one of us because of our personal experiences and background, we tend to build a universe inside ourselves and sometimes we forget that other people as well, they have their own universe built inside of themselves according to their own experiences and background.
0: I absolutely agree, it's wonderful. Does this relate to your, your research interest?
3: Actually, my research uh, interest is actually in how to best uh, deal uh, with conflicts, uh, how to actually find common grounds of understanding and cooperation, so ultimately the outcome can be positive for all the parties involved. I suppose, as I you know, was mentioning before, as human beings, we all go through something in life every day, we have personal situations, and we tend to carry all these luggage with us everywhere we go and sometimes you know triggers come into place particularly in you know in workspaces and things get difficult sometimes but it's actually find be always able to find in the common ground and understanding a situation focusing on you know Mm, where do i come from where does the other person come from do we have mm. common goals because see most of the time we do have common goals so we just try we just have to find a way to a I mean to I suppose build a bridge so that we can both reach the common goals together you know there's just so much more than can be gained from union and from working together and then this like I, I think i will just end with like this quote that that i think it was steve that mentioned that it was really inspired it would say challenges are what make life interesting and overcoming them is what makes life meaningful and i totally agree with that you know because sometimes when i feel like extremely challenged and I feel like, gosh, you know, like, uh, what else? You know, it's like everything is happening to me. But then when I look back and I think about perhaps those times that have been particularly challenging for me, those are actually the times where I was able to find new sides of myself, uh, new resilience, a new strength within myself. So that would be my, <laughs> that's why I decided to focus uh, my research on these aspects because I think they're really, really relevant and there's so much that can be that's another value that can be added to the literature
0: gosh thank you and i love to hear how much you've got from the conference but also to hear about your your upcoming research it's so valuable that we need to support people in having conversations in the place where they work where as you say they spend a large proportion of their lives. So it's, I'm so grateful for you coming on and sharing that with us. Thank you so much. And thank you for, yes. thank you for joining us on the Suit podcast. I'm really grateful for your insights.
3: No worries. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure.
0: That's it, folks, in the bag. If you like this episode or the podcast, please could I ask you to share, subscribe and review. Whatever platform you're on, it will help us raise our profile and spread the behavioural science and skills with more people. The show notes are at rossmackintosh.co.uk and this includes links to a few different platforms. I love to hear from you and you can get in touch at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com On Twitter we are at peoplesouppod On Instagram at people.soup And on Facebook we are at peoplesouppod. Thanks to Andy Glenn for his spoon magic and to you for listening. Look after yourselves, peace supers, and bye for now. I'm going to sign off now from Malaga. So, all the best there to you in Vienna. And yeah, let's keep in touch.